0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Light and Morning Podcast, and I'm excited to welcome to Margo Lemark. Margo, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great. I
1: hope you are, Neil.
0: I am doing fantastic, and we're going to go on to Chapter 3, and this is a, a one that's about a story of forgiveness, but also a story of a woman that's pretty interesting and intriguing in your mother. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes, Absolutely. My and, mother was this person who. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no. I was
0: going to say she's very. She seemed very. She seemed very, very interesting, but yet complex at the same time.
1: Yeah, she was kind of one of those larger than life people. You know, um, she stood out in a crowd, and she was beautiful, and she was charismatic, and had quite um, a lively, fun personality. So she always attracted a lot of people to her, and she was very generous and wonderful. Um, But she was an alcoholic. And if if there's anybody listening that has an alcoholic, anybody in their life, they know how tricky and how difficult that is. And so my mother, as beautiful and gracious and wonderful as she was, she also was a Jekyll and Hyde a little bit. And I really got the brunt of that in our life together, because I was the one that pretty much called her out on her drinking and she never forgot that.
0: That's, that's, it's true. And that, that process you did, and then that leads to fights. But at first you guys didn't recognize that she was an alcoholic, right?
1: No, you know, it just sort of grew gradually. And I, and I think of probably a lot of alcoholic families have that same sort of story where you don't realize it. And then suddenly you start getting hints of it. And then it, then you start kind of talking about it behind her back, like what's up with mom, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and then you realize full force that, yeah, she's, she's drinking a lot all the time. And, and so it, you know, as she grew older, I think it, the problem got worse and um, yeah. And then finally we realized it and sent her for help.
0: And that's in sending it for help. So what age did you send her for help?
1: Yeah, you know, I was young. So maybe she was in her 40s or 50s, maybe, you know, I'd have to go back and think about that. But, you know, we sent her to Hazleton in, in Minnesota. And um my father just did everything he possibly could to really help her. He even moved out of the town that we grew up, moved out to Colorado thinking if she got a new start, maybe that would help her. You know, we we really tried to do everything we could to help her. She deserved the help, you know, but I, I think that problem is deeper than we realize.
0: Do you think it's because you said she was larger in life in certain aspects, the way she, you know, interacted and people attracted that that brought a lot of pressure to her because of that?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. You know, a lot of people can handle that, you you know, um, or a lot of people, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. You know, I was too young at the time and too upset with her for drinking to ever talk to her like an adult, you know, and, and she died when I was, what was I in my early twenties. And so, you know, I never was an adult to talk to her really. So I don't know. I don't know what that deep problem was that she couldn't overcome.
0: So tell us some of the memories you have of your mother, I guess the good times before <laughs> and really less than the bad, because it looks back, you look back at that and say to yourself, especially when there's a story of forgiveness at the end of this chapter, that really looking at some of those positive moments is very, very important, especially with someone with an addiction.
1: Yeah. I would say, I would say my, the biggest memories I have of my mother was around any occasion, Christmas birthdays, she would throw incredible parties, themed parties for our birthdays, you know, and great big parties and with prizes and, um it it was it was it, our parties were the ones that everybody wanted to be invited to because she really did such an amazing job at that and made every single holiday so extra special she she was really good at that she was good at tending to her kids and making sure they had a kind of a magical life growing up and and we really did i can tell you one memory um when i was sweet 16 our house had just burned down And we didn't have anything. We lost everything in the fire and we were all really depressed and sad. And it was a tough time for us at that point. And she um, orchestrated a surprise birthday party for me at the country club. And we were eating dinner and she, she was trying to cheer me up and everything, you know, and it was my birthday. We couldn't do anything because, you know, our life was turned upside down and she had me facing away from the windows but what my brothers were watching outside the windows is um all the golf carts were going downstairs to the party room and um the band was being delivered in golf carts down to the party room and all my friends were being delivered by the golf carts and so at the end of this you know sad kind of what I thought was boring dinner and everybody trying to cheer me up dinner on my birthday they said, "Well, let's go look at the new." Um, they had remodeled the country club downstairs, and they said, "Let's just go look at the new room and just see what they've done around here." We go, "Okay," you know. So we walk down there and open up one of the doors, and boom! <laughs> Fifty people jumped out in surprise, and the lights went off, and the band started playing, and it, it was just incredible. So she was the, the incredible part about my mother was that kind of thoughtfulness and just going over the top to make people happy and feel celebrated and loved and that was a really cool event
0: surprise birthday party the way she did the surprises but you guys were kind of uh back and forth because of the alcohol right Marga?
1: Yeah, I called her out on her her drinking once, and she she kicked me out of the house and everything. I went and stayed at a friend's house, and she, then she begged me to come back, and I wouldn't come back until she quit drinking or until she went to get help. And then when she did go to get help, I I went back home. So she really thanked me for that when she was sober, and she kind of hated me for it when she was drinking. You know, I I was kind of the her nemesis when it came to drinking. So. Yeah, we had a back and forth. We had we had just this wonderful relationship and then this really difficult relationship. So yeah, it was it was up and down a lot.
0: Up and down for sure, but that story of forgiveness was such an important part, uh, right? right? Before she, well, died, she thought that you were
1: Yeah. Dying. Yeah. And that's what's incredible about it is after this cat fight relationship, we had really good, really bad, yo-yo, good and bad our whole life. Um, you know, she came to stay with me in Wisconsin where I was living and we were going to have a family reunion the next week. So she just came early to spend some time with me. But she was so bad. I could not take care of her. I could not handle her. She was drinking so much. I couldn't keep my work going as well as having, you know, tending to her. And so, you know, I, I called my dad and I said, what should I do? And he said, well, send him to send him to your brother's house. He'll be able to take care of her. So I did. I drove her up to Green Bay and, um, I put her in a hotel the first night and so that my brother could take care of her from there And when I left on the way up there, she started, she said, Margo, I am so sorry. You know, that time when I did this, she said, I am so sorry I did that to you. And I couldn't believe she said that. And I started crying and she started crying. And then we kind of kept going on with that memory. And we started laughing about it, you know, and we're laughing through our tears. And then she would bring up another memory. And she said, I never meant to hurt you. And I'd start crying and she'd start crying. And for that whole trip, for about about an hour, going up to Green Bay, I, we, we laughed and we cried and she brought up all of these different memories that were bad memories and she apologized for them and I'd cry and then we'd start laughing again and we laughed and cried the whole way up there. And by the time we got there, we had our entire relationship resolved. Everything was resolved. I felt like I'd lost a hundred pounds <laughs> And when I left her in the hotel, you know, I'll never forget looking back at her. And she had, you know, she wasn't looking too good. And um, she was just kind of sitting on her bed. And and I, I just turned around. I just said, I love you, mom. And I walked out. And that's the last time I saw her. Never knowing that that was going to be the last time I thought I'd see her at the family reunion. And we did have a family reunion, but it was my mom's funeral. <laughs> it was very sad. But I'll tell you the interesting thing about it, Neil. When I heard, you know, a couple of days later that my mother had died, I cried, of course, really hard for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. I just could not stop crying. I couldn't believe I had just seen my mom for the last time. But you know what? I never cried again. because I, And I realized with that, that the pain of death, is not nearly, doesn't nearly hurt as bad as the pain of lack of resolve, you know, regret. The pain of regret is the worst pain we can have. I didn't have that pain of regret. I had the pain of losing her, but I did not have the pain of regret. And that is huge. That is huge. I have kept Everything resolved ever since then. She gave me a gift that I that is I can't even describe because I have never left anything unresolved ever since my mom died. She taught me how to resolve. She did resolve our relationship. I saw the importance of it, and I have kept every relationship resolved since then. So
0: there there it is. (laughs) It's so important to forgive people for their actions and to understand. That, uh, you'll forgive them, but that doesn't mean you'll never, you'll forgive them for what they've done, but you have to move on in the chapters of your life, but understand Hey, I didn't mean to do this so that there's nothing left between people at the end of the day. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and that's why that chapter was the hardest chapter for me to write, but it was the most important because, you know, it's me just begging people to, to, if there's something to resolve with people, if there's something you want to say to somebody, say it now, do it now. And you you need to live as if every moment with that person is your last. You have to just, you may, because it may be, it may be. So resolve everything now and just be at peace with that. Because then, then when somebody dies, you only have the sadness of not seeing them again, but you won't experience the unbearable agony of this irreversible regret. There, there's a big difference between the two.
0: (laughs) Exactly, Margo. And, uh, we talked about last on last on the last podcast about uh, you are going to learn how to speak again through mediation, um, through your dog, right? You had a, yep. how'd that go?
1: It went very well. It went very well. I love this class and I've been talking to my dog now and before, before in like with this book, anybody who died, they came to me. I didn't have the ability to talk to them. And now with this class, I'm speaking to my animals. Um, I'm able to at least speak to Sassy now and finding out how she's doing since Bindi passed. It's very, very interesting. It's very enlightening. I'm going to keep talking to her to find out what she needs, you know, but I, I I now understand her pain that she has this residual shock wave going through her with whatever happened to Bindi and between that and not understanding what did happen to Bindi. She just says she's flattened out. And so that was really interesting information to get from her. And so I'm going to talk to her more to see how I can help her kind of get back to her real happy, bouncy self, you know, because I realize she's still in very deep grief over Bindi.
0: All right. Well, that's the interesting thing that we talk about on this podcast. And we can expand on that later when you write that next book, Marga. So I appreciate you coming by and thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, Neil. Thanks for having
0: me. All right, again, there's that. that bye, bye. Light in the Morning podcast, guys. Go to lightinmorning.com to purchase the book. Take care, guys.